Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski and the host of Heart to Heart with Anna. We are in Season 8 of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Care for Adults with Congenital Heart Defects, and we have a great show for you today. Today's show is Difficulties Growing Up with a Congenital Heart Defect, and our guests are Tom Glenn and Christy LaFrance. Tom Glenn is a 26-year-old hypoplastic left heart syndrome, or HLHS, patient who currently resides in Clifton, New Jersey. Tom was not prenatally diagnosed. He has undergone five open-heart surgeries at both UC San Francisco and Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. He grew up in Chandler, Arizona with his three heart-healthy siblings and his parents. Tom just graduated from St. George's University with a degree in medicine. He will start his pediatric residency at Rutgers New Jersey Medical School in the summer of 2016 with a strong interest in pursuing pediatric cardiology. He hopes to someday help and treat other patients like himself. Tom has already lived a nearly normal life and enjoys spending his free time doing things like hiking, camping, golfing, and exploring New York City. We'll meet Christy in the second segment of the show. So welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Tom. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for having me. It is inspiring to me, Tom, to meet adults like you who have HLHS, especially after being told when Alex was a baby that he probably wouldn't survive his open-heart surgeries, and he's younger than you are. So I just love the fact that you've had a nearly normal life and that you've managed to already graduate from college. You're a real inspiration to many of us HLHS parents. Why don't you tell us what a couple of the biggest challenges you faced in growing up with HLHS? Yeah, of course. One of the biggest things I think a lot of adults and teenagers that are growing up with congenital heart disease have is really dealing with your scar. I know a lot of females have the same issue, but when you're growing up and you're at that teenage age and you really worry about what people think about you, when you're at the pool, a lot of people are a little worried and nervous to show off their scar because they're worried what people are going to say or bring up questions that are going to be asked, which is usually the case. And unfortunately, it took me a long time to really get over the fact that I had this scar running down my chest. And it wasn't really until I was probably at the end of high school that I really finally got over it and realized that it's not something I should be embarrassed or worried about, but really it's just something I should embrace. And it just shows I've been through a lot and I've overcome a lot. So it kind of took a while, but I think now I'm a lot more comfortable about that than I used to be. And one of the other things I had a really hard time, obviously having hypoplastic left heart syndrome 
it's really difficult to do a lot of physical activity. And throughout school, you're usually required at some point to do some physical education classes. And that was the case for me. And specifically, seventh and eighth grade, I was enrolled in these classes that were required. And we had to do things like running a mile and just a lot of like basketball, soccer. A lot of endurance is involved in those sports. And that was really difficult for me. Luckily, once I got into high school and those requirements were still around, I was able to get exempt from those once I got a 504 plan. But in junior high, that was really difficult. Having to change in the locker room and show off my scar was one thing. And then having to go out there and all these growing guys that can run a lot faster than me, it was really hard to keep up with them. Another thing that was really difficult, and I'm a big sports fan, but it was also really difficult when I had to give up sports. I was able to play mm-hmm. sports like base, baseball and a little bit of soccer until I was around 11, 12 years old. And around the age is usually when kids, boys specifically, start getting bigger, faster, and going through puberty. And that was the point at which my doctors kind of recommended it was time for me to maybe give up those sports just because it was becoming mm-hmm. too much for me and the risks of me getting hurt or hitting my head since I'm on Coumadin, the risks were just too big. And I had to kind of find other things to fill my life with instead of sports. And luckily, I was able to fill my life with things like Boy Scouts, which I eventually earned my Eagle Scout in an academic. So those were two big areas that I kind of filled that void in. And I became really involved in other things, which as long as you were able to do that, I don't think it affects you long term that much. But it can be hard to find something that you really enjoy doing when you're kind of kicked out of the first thing you want to do, which may have been sports, which is what it was for me. Right, and I have had a whole show devoted to young men and sports, <laughs> young men oh, who really? have PhDs and sports. Yes, because it is such yeah. a big issue, especially here in the United States. But even in Canada, my Canadian friends who have children with heart defects, those boys want to play hockey. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. It's such a big part of the culture. And then you look at South America or you look at Central America and, and over in Europe, soccer is all the rage. And, of course, those kids mm-hmm. want to play soccer, and it's those sports that require lots of running back and forth that can really be difficult. And I am interested in you saying that they were also concerned because you were on Coumadin, because I just did a show on Coumadin and some of the new drugs that are becoming available, because Coumadin is such a risky drug to take, especially for kids who might be falling. Mm -hmm. And if you're playing in sports, you're going to fall. Yeah, or get pushed or... <laughs> yeah, something. Something's going to happen. Yeah, have some kind of contact like that, and so it really can be dangerous. But I'm happy to hear that the way you were able to overcome that difficulty was by getting interested in Boy Scouts, by becoming even more involved in your academics. And it looks like that has helped you tremendously since you wanted to become a doctor. It's good that you were able to turn your interest into the academic area. But I know that a lot of people with HLHS have learning disabilities. Did you have any problems growing up, such as needing physical, occupational, or speech therapy? I always say I'm very, very lucky to be in the position I am. I was really lucky that I didn't have any big learning disabilities. My education was never really affected. I never really had any help in school, extra I went to tutoring in college, which is pretty normal for most people, but I was really lucky that I didn't have to get anything extra in school. I don't think I started talking very much until I was like four or five years old, which is obviously not normal. So in terms of my speech, I think I was four to six years old, something like that, where I was going through some speech therapy classes that my parents had got me involved in just because there were certain words that I kind of had a speech impediment with. 
I was pronouncing things a little different, and I was speaking later than normal, so they wanted me to catch up before I got into kindergarten and first, second grade. That was something I did have to deal with, but I was, again, very, very lucky and fortunate. I didn't have any big learning disabilities that maybe prevented me from doing as much in school. Right, and you must be very strong in the math and sciences to have a medical degree. Oh, yeah, I would say math and science is by far much, much stronger for me. I'm not as strong in the social sciences and English history kind of classes. So I would say math and science are definitely my huge strengths. Well, that's great. It's so nice to hear that you've been so successful in those areas. Tom, you've had five open-heart surgeries so far. Do you remember any of them? And what was the biggest challenge that you faced recovering from some of those procedures? My last open-heart surgery was when I was about four and a half, five years old. So I don't really remember anything about the actual surgery itself. It was the Fontan procedure, and that was that chop. What I do remember is just before the surgery, when I was saying goodbye to my parents, my dad and I had this thing where whenever I went to surgery, he would give me the thumbs up, and I would give him a thumbs up back. And I do remember giving him the thumbs up before I actually fell asleep. So that's really all I remember about my actual surgeries. I don't remember anything during the surgery, waking up during the surgery, anything like that, hearing anything that was going on, which I'm very fortunate for. A lot of parents mm-hmm. always ask me about that and whether I have, like, PTSD. And I've been, again, very lucky that I've never had any nightmares or anything about the surgeries itself. I have, though, had catheterization of those procedures more frequently and more recently. Mm-hmm. The last one, I think, was in high school around 2006, 2007. And I definitely remember before the anesthesia, after the anesthesia, being in the recovery room. But again, nothing during the procedure, waking up or anything, has ever really come to my mind, luckily. That's really great. You really are lucky because I know that I have friends whose children suffer and are very much afraid of needles or having to get shots. But since you've become a doctor, I'm guessing that that's not something that ever troubled you. I guess that just having dealt with that so long, I kind of was able to overcome that at a very young age. That's why in pediatrics, a lot of doctors actually don't even use white coats, which I think is nice because that does affect a lot of kids in general, especially kids that have had to deal with doctors for a long time. I think that's also where Mm -hmm. child life helps kids with these needles and whenever they're getting IVs. Another very important aspect of when you're in the hospital for these kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great plug for child life. You're so right. They really do play a vital part in our children's recovery process. When you have a really good child life program, they take a lot of the scariness away. It's a real positive note for us to end on. We need to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, folks, because when we come back, we're going to meet Christy LaFrance and talk to her about what challenges she faced growing up with a congenital heart defect when we get back after this commercial break. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, A handbook for parents will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Difficulties Growing Up with a Congenital Heart Defect, and our guests are Tom Glenn and Christy LaFrance. We just finished talking with Tom Glenn about some of the challenges he faced in growing up with a CHD, and now we'll turn our attention to Christy LaFrance. 
Christy LaFrance was born May 23, 1974, with Tetralogy of Fallot with pulmonary atresia. She has had five procedures on her heart at both the University of Minnesota and Mayo Hospital in Rochester, Minnesota. She's undergone open-heart surgeries, a valve repair, and replacements, as well as radiofrequency ablation. Christy graduated from high school in 1992 and attended two years of vocational college, graduating with a medical secretary degree. In 1994, she got married and delivered a healthy baby boy in 2001. Christy works full-time and is the president of a 501c3 nonprofit organization support group called Christy's Heart Hugs. Her mission is to provide personal communication, encouragement, and assistance for children with congenital heart defects and their families. Christy's husband runs Bismarck Rental in Bismarck, and her son Hunter is now in eighth grade and enjoys soccer and races motocross. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Anna. I can't believe you let your son race motocross. That's so scary to me. It is, but it's something we do as a family, and he's passionate, and I just hold my breath while he's on the track and pray for safety. That's all I can do. (laughs) It's hard on the hearts, I can tell you that. (laughs) Oh, I can just imagine. I can just imagine. But I think that's great that you're willing to and encouraging him to take part in his passion, because it certainly looks like you do that as well. Absolutely. Can't put him in a bubble, so have to let him do what he wants to do. Exactly. Well, it's so inspiring for people to hear that you're now 42 years old and that you were able to become a mother. So let's talk about that. What was the biggest challenge that you faced in getting pregnant and having Hunter? Well, I would say that getting pregnant was not so much of a challenge. It was actually the discussion prior trying to decide whether it was safe for me to get pregnant and deliver a child. And finally, we just decided to put it in God's hands and whatever happened would happen. And lo and behold, seven years later, we got pregnant. And from that point on, as soon as we found out we were pregnant, I did have to have medical appointments with a gynecologist and a cardiologist once a week for the whole entire nine months, which is a little bit uncommon for the standard pregnancy. It was definitely more precaution. There was a cardiologist that would come in and just check to make sure that my heart rate was okay. The OB doctor would do EKGs weekly. An echo was done once a month just to make sure that my heart was not getting worse or the heart rate was not increasing or decreasing and eventually checked to make sure that the baby was okay. I never had any problems other than the normal morning sickness and was able to carry him right till the end. My delivery was not what we had planned on at all. We were planning to just go in on a Monday morning and have everything nice and calm. And instead, one evening, I just felt a little twinge. I told my husband it was like a snake bite, like you do on your arm mm. as kids, and called the doctor and they said, come in right away. So we went in after supper. And within an hour of me being in there, I was stripped of my clothes, a gown thrown on, and being rushed to the operating room. It was very out of wow. the ordinary and very, very scary. I woke up in ICU with this baby latched to me and a nurse sitting by my side with no family around. It was a very scary time, but thankfully it all worked out. And my husband Mm -hmm. did say that as soon as Hunter was born, that he was pulled away and they were checking the heart and the O2 sats and all that stuff to make sure he Mm -hmm. was healthy. And thankfully he was. Right. Right. And he was able to nurse right away, which is always a good sign. And so after the shock of the fact that you had been through childbirth without 
remembering it, <laughs> waking up to your baby nursing on you, did things kind of get back to normal or whatever new they normal did. is once you have a baby? <laughs> right. They did. Everything was good, and I felt great. I never had any problems. My heart did get weaker after that and ended up having mm-hmm. surgery a few years later, but they did warn me that after having him that with each pregnancy, my heart would probably get weaker. So to really think before having another one, but we chose not to. We were blessed with one healthy one. I made it just fine, and we just have been thankful and blessed with that. We never pushed the subject anymore. Well, and it sounds like you're a very involved parent. You do the motocross with him, and it yes. seems like you're there for him with everything, and that's awesome. That's a wonderful experience yes. for him and for you. Now let's talk about your early years. What was it like for you, and what were the biggest challenges that you faced as a child growing up with a CHD? I would agree with Tom. I believe one of the main challenges was the scar. And as he said, too, participating in Fayette and take showers, it was very hard to have that scar on my chest and be different than all the other girls and boys, for that matter. The main challenge for me really was the low energy. I wasn't able to keep up with my brother. I wasn't able to keep up with my friends. And I wasn't able to participate in the sports like they all did. I lived in a very small Mm -hmm. town where sports was the main thing to do, and that was what the popular kids do, and I just wasn't able to do that. And so I felt left out a lot of times. Mm -hmm. The kids didn't make me feel that way, but I really just wanted to be like everybody else. And with the Mm -hmm. heart defect and being held back and not being able to participate in FIED and the sports, I just felt that that was just the way it was for me. Thankfully, Mm -hmm. my parents, they never treated me any different than they treated my brother. They always encouraged me to keep up with the kids and basically listen to my body. My mom always said, if you're Mm -hmm. tired, listen to your body and stop. But the biggest challenge is definitely not being able to keep up with everybody and do what all the other kids did. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. Is your brother younger or older than you? My brother is just a few years older. And so he would be out running around the farm and working and and I would try and I wouldn't be able to keep up with them. So it was very Mm -hmm. tough, very, very challenging. Right. It sounds like you have been there for your son's sports. I kind of get the feeling that you're vicariously experiencing new sports through your son's eyes. Absolutely. Yes. And now he is in soccer. So I'm learning all about soccer and the energy that it takes to do that. And I can't even imagine, but I'm so thankful that he is able to run up and down that field and with no problems at all. Mm -hmm. You're right. I definitely get to learn and experience all the sports now with him that I wasn't able to as a child. It takes a lot of energy to be a soccer mom from what I understand. I am learning that, yes, but I figure if I can survive (laughs) five years of motocross, I can do some soccer. (laughs) There you go. Just a different type of sport. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Well, over the last four decades, you've endured a number of different kinds of procedures. What was the biggest challenge you faced having to deal with all of those different surgeries and hospitalizations? Well, I would say the first three surgeries, I was fairly young. The first and second surgery, I don't really recall. The third surgery, I was in eighth grade, so I definitely recall that. I was still young enough where I really wasn't scared. I didn't quite comprehend what I was going through. I knew it was a big deal. My family was there. Everybody was always saying their prayers, and I knew that I was always on a prayer list. I knew something was going on, but I couldn't comprehend the severity of it. But the biggest One, I would say, was my last surgery in 2008, definitely when I had my son. He was seven years Mm -hmm. old at the time. 
And so all of a sudden, I no longer was just worrying about myself. I worried about my family. And I was very scared to have surgery because now if something were to happen to me, it wasn't just me. I had a son, a husband, and of course, my parents. So I was very, very terrified going into that last surgery. But thankfully, that did work out. All through the surgeries, though, I definitely had a lot of support. But definitely that last one was just being scared of the outcome. Sure, and it's so uncertain, although wasn't the last procedure that you went through a valve replacement? Yes, I did have an ablation not quite a year ago, but the very last open heart surgery was in 2008, and I was hospitalized for just six days. And during that time, I watched my son watch me and my husband sit there Mm -hmm. on my side and watch me, and it definitely was more challenging than being a child and having my parents watch me. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a different a different perspective, I felt. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it, but it sounds like you had tremendous support if your parents were still there for you and you had your husband and your son. I can understand being a mother myself and having two boys myself, the concern of not wanting your child to be traumatized by you being in the hospital and wanting everything to go back to normal as quickly as possible. And I know that, unfortunately, it doesn't happen overnight. You have that procedure within minutes, hours, however long it takes, but it takes days, weeks, months, sometimes a year before you go back to being completely back to normal, which you were before you had the surgery. And sometimes you end up being better. You're not quite so tired or you're pinker or you have more energy, but it still takes time to completely recover from an open heart surgery, no matter how good the outcome is. Right. And I recall one instance in particular when we were discharged and I was able to come home due to having my sternum cracked and open again down the chest. I had weightlifting restrictions. And at that time, when we first got home, I couldn't even lift a gallon of milk. So going to pour milk for my child, I thought, oh, I can't do this. And so it was a tough adjustment. Right. right. Thankfully, between friends and family, I definitely had the support I needed, which not all people do. So I was very grateful for that. Right. Well, that's a real positive note for us to end on. We do need to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, folks. We'll be right back after this short commercial, and we'll be talking with Tom and Christy about why they chose to study in the medical field and what their plans for the future are. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Difficulties Growing Up with the Congenital Heart Defect, and our guests are Tom Glenn and Christy LaFrance. We just finished talking with Christy about some of the challenges that she faced growing up with the CHD. And in the third segment, we'll all be in the studio together, and I'm eager to see what Tom and Christy are currently doing and what plans they have for their future. So let me start with Tom and say congratulations. I'm so excited that you graduated from medical school. That's really Thank you very much. Thank you. Can you tell us if you think that your heart defect influenced you becoming a doctor? It absolutely did. When I was in fifth grade, we were doing some projects in school. I had to decide what I wanted to do. I had to research a career. And I told my parents in fifth grade, 
I want to be a doctor. And I don't think there's any question that all the doctor's appointments, all the surgeries, and all the time that I spent in the hospital had some impact on me wanting to do that. Like I said earlier, I was always interested in the sciences and math. So that was the first direction I had, which was very early on. But then in fifth grade, I kind of thought about if I wanted to become a doctor. And as I got older and my passion for science increased, I realized through scouts and tutoring in college that I really also enjoyed working with kids. And that's where I am now. I'm a pediatric resident. It definitely impacted me from a very, very early age to become a doctor. I just love that story. That's just such an awesome story. I find it fascinating how people who do grow up with congenital heart defects frequently do get pulled into the medical field. So let's talk to Christy about that. You also got a degree in the medical field, but Christy, it seems like your heart defect has greatly influenced your decision to start your own nonprofit organization. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about Christy's Heart Hugs? Absolutely. When I got home from my last surgery in 2008, I quickly realized that there is little to no support in our area, North Dakota, for children with heart defects and their families. So I thought back to my surgery when I was in kindergarten when my classmates had sent me a very large white polar bear in the mail, a stuffed animal that was bigger than I was at the time. (laughs) I still have that bear. And so when I got home from the last surgery, I realized that that bear has been with me, and I thought every child that has a heart defect needs to have their own bear. So with Uh that, I started searching, and I decided to start a support group on Facebook called Christie's Heart Hugs. And each child that joined my group or, or was referred to me would get a small stuffed animal, which I chose a giraffe for no particular reason, but they each get a small giraffe, which I do hand stitch a scar down its chest, so that it matches them and they don't feel like they're the only one in the world with this scar. So mm-hmm. each child that I come in contact with gets this giraffe and they also get a heart journal for their parents to keep record of because when I was young, my mom kept a journal and I'm able to read that today and go back and see what they went through and what I went through. And without that journal, mm-hmm. I would not know any of that. So I started Christie's Heart Hugs. It took me a little over a year with the help of a friend. And Steve and I sat down and we created our 501c3. And we are now that with the IRS. And we're able to provide support for families in North Dakota and actually all over the world that are affected by heart defects. I just love that story. That's so amazing. And I can't believe you still have your bear 35 years later. <laughs> I do. I do. It survived many moves. It survived a major flood, but definitely has kept it. And that's why I feel every child that goes to the hospital, they need something to hold on to that provides that comfort. And to know that, yes, somebody else out there in the world has gone through this. They're not alone. And that's exactly what Christie's Mm -hmm. Heart Hugs does. Our website is www.christiesheartshugs.org. O-R-G. There's no spaces, no apostrophes. And you can also find me on Facebook, Christie's Heart Hugs, or under my name, Christie LaFriends. And I would be glad to hook you up with your own little giraffe. Love your website. It's very clean Thank and you. easy to navigate. Tom, you have a strong interest in pursuing a career in pediatric cardiology. Can you tell us, you've already been through medical school, what more will it take for you to become a pediatric cardiologist? I just finished medical school, and I'm starting my pediatric residency, which is basically three years long, to teach me how to become a basic pediatrician and be able to treat kids with any 
problem they may have. And if I decide I want to do pediatric cardiology, that's another three years of just straight cardiology training for kids. Technically, it would be six years from now that I would be done with all of the training that I could actually practice pediatric cardiology, but I'm pretty set on it. I think as a career, it's very attractive to me because I'm able to relate to a lot of these kids and parents on what they're going through, which I don't think there's many pediatric cardiologists in the world that are able to do that, if any at all. And I also think it's a way that I can kind of pay back the way to all the doctors and all the support I've had throughout my life, which kind of told me that I can do anything with my life that I want to do. I would never be here where I am today without them. So I think it's really important right. that I provide that support. I love that. Okay, well, one last question. This time has gone by way too fast, but Christy, I'm going to ask you one last question, and that is what goals do you currently have for Christy's Heart Hugs? I'm excited to hear that you now have a local chapter, but why don't you tell us what your goals are and how people can contact you if they'd like to help you with your mission? Absolutely. Definitely the goal is to be able to connect with the local hospitals in Bismarck and all over North Dakota to find out when a new child is diagnosed or the ones that are already diagnosed and need our help. We are set up to be able Mm -hmm. to assist financially in small ways at this time. I would like to be able to hook up with the hospitals. We currently are working with one. So my goal is to be known about within all the hospital organizations in North Dakota. And basically, any child that's born in North Dakota or affected by a congenital heart defect, I want to know, let them know that we're here, that we exist, and we're here for the support emotionally and financially at some point in their life. In order to help us out, we definitely have our website. So if you would like to help out with us to get the mission of helping each child in North Dakota and expanding out to the United States, you can help us at christiesheartshugs.org. We also have a Facebook group, Christie's Heart Hugs. Or I have an email, and that is khhugs at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, it has been so much fun talking to both of you. Thank you for coming on the show today, Tom. Oh, thank you so much, Anna. I had a great time. Me too. And thank you so much, Christy. Thank you. Thank you, Anna, for this opportunity. Well, that does conclude our episode today. It went by way too fast, but I really enjoyed talking with Tom and Christy, and I can't wait to follow up in a couple years and see where both of these inspirational adults are. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern time. Until then, please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com, and our Cafe Press Boutique. Follow our radio show on Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week. Music.